Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Father, we're so grateful that this morning we could come here, particularly on this communion morning Sunday. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can sense your presence in our spirit. That we rejoice in your greatness and your goodness and all that you have for us. And particularly as we celebrate this great event of the table, the breaking of the bread, help us and remind us. Take us back to Calvary's road. Help us to focus upon the one that you have given to us our Savior, our Lord, and the one who paid the price and the penalty of our sins. Our Father, help us, O God, to focus upon your greatness and your love and your mercy even as we break this bread and think of all that you have done through Christ who gave himself for us. We collectively come together, Lord God, in a proper way in giving thanks and praise to you. Reach out to your people today, Lord, in their needs, in their desperation, in the problems they have, and the particular prayers they prayed, O oh God, you hear the faintest whisper. You are sigh away. And let them know that you are there in that situation. And I pray, Lord, that you would reach out to them today, whether they are far away by way of uh, this uh, social media, I speak the word of healing and strength. And for people here who are in person, touch them, Lord, and those with ailment and illness and sickness right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it depart. Let your glory rise, O God. Let your name be worshipped, adored in the name of Jesus. Be set free and be healed. And Lord, bring us closer to you. Bring us closer to you, our Father, through Christ our Lord. And may you help us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome once again. It's such a great joy to be able to come this morning and to celebrate this great event of breaking bread and uh, you know, one of the things we want to give thanks to God for the opportunity and the privilege we have, the freedom we have, where many places do not have. So, once again, our thanks and our praise be to God this morning. I have with me the communion uh, bread and a cup of, uh, of uh, juice, uh, grape juice. Very important because I want to speak about communion, but in a in a different way that I want us to open our eyes to be able to look at it from the five senses. And I talked about the five senses in terms of three uh, areas, whether it is of the physical, natural, or whether it is of the soul, that is of the intellect, of the emotion, and of the will. And thirdly, it is, which is what I'm focusing on, on our spiritual level in the spiritual man. Now, I want us to realize, even as we take up this bread in a moment and break the bread and drink of this cup, what we would be doing is we would be doing it in the natural. There are five things we know that will happen. We're able to touch it. We're able to see it. We're able to hear the message that it brings. We're also able to smell and taste it as well, all this in the natural. 
What we may not realize is there is a part of our body that is the soul working deep down. And even while you're here uh, in a spiritual, uh, in a physical sense, located here at Highland, here in Jamaica, Queens, New York, I know that there would be something else speaking to you to say, oh my God, the chicken is still out there. I hope the pastor doesn't take a long time because it's being cooked. So you are in your, what would be the solical sense. And then of course, there's many of you who would say, soul, soul, I want to just focus to be able to hear, to do with this communion and to be able to have that intimacy. But then while all of this going on, deep down in your spirit being, you are able to see with the eyes of the Spirit, able to hear beyond the natural and hear in the, in, the, in the ears of the spiritual ear and then be able to touch with spiritual touch and feeling and again to be able to smell with spiritual smell and again to be able to taste of this in a spiritual level. All this you are doing it in the physical sense, all this you are doing it in the uh, in the natural, or so, I'm sorry, in the solical sense, but much more, I want you to transcend into the highest level for what it really is when we break this literal uh, bread and a literal cup of, of uh, grape juice. What I want you to understand is you're going to open your eyes to what the fullest expression of the meaning of this communion is. So even while we begin, those that are watching, today is a communion Sunday, and if you could take this opportunity to grab yourself, get some cracker and grape juice, you could join with us just the moment when I would say uh, so. But I want you to listen carefully to the message because this is very important. I've been talking about the five senses, and this is a message we've been continuing to do, but today I want to talk particularly with regard to looking at the communion table with the five uh, senses of the Spirit. So let's just begin with this. I want to begin my message with a, a passage from Matthew chapters 26 and verse 26. And the Bible says, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and gave it and break it and gave to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. So here is the Lord Jesus Christ. He took, he literally touched this bread and then he blessed it, and then he break it, all of this with the fingers, that physically, and gave it to his disciples. So while the Lord was physically there, he's giving this bread and this cup, and then he's saying, take, eat. This is the body, the, which is the bread, and uh, drink of it. And then he says, this is my body. So obviously the body of the Lord Jesus Christ there, he's speaking in the natural, he's seeing in the natural, he, we can see him, all of this in the natural, but he's giving us something which is uh, what would be a bread and what would be the cup of wine, of uh, grape juice. However, the significant becomes uh, amazingly different when we realize and understand the full realization and also the full appropriation of what the Lord tells us about this table or what would be called the communion um, cup and communion bread. So join us together in this very important moment. So while I'm going to say this, there's nothing magic about it. It's just what it is in the natural. You will be holding what would be a cup that involves the bread and the grape juice. But while we are talking about this, I want you to understand deep down as you look into what would be the bread that you would see and what it would speak to you and what you could 
touch and what you could smell and what you could taste, it transcends to a higher level in the soul and you're able to enjoy all of the expressions of the soul, whether it be in the intellect or whether it be in the emotion or whether it be in what would be your will power. All of this is expressed in this, but that's not where I'm going. Like I said, I want, you, I want all of us to transcend into the fullest expression of what this means, that we can look at it with the eyes of faith, we can look at it with the ears in our spiritual, we can touch it with the touch of faith, and we can also be able to smell in the spiritual level and also to be able to taste what God has given to us and the fullest expression in all the three, but ultimately in the finality of the spiritual. So let me talk first about seeing. While we look at it in the natural, it is what it is, a cup that contains the bread and that contains grape juice. It is what it is in the natural. But I want you to understand, when you take this, something is wonderful. I like this psalmist's uh, full expression of what he says, come and see, and that's found in Psalm 66 and verse 5. Come and see the wonderful works of God and the awesome doing and his uh, deeds towards the children of men. So come and see the awesome work of the Lord that he did on Calvary's cross. All this that we are doing today is a full expression of what our Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross by way of his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. That becomes the filler of our faith when you see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3, 4, and 5. When you look at this, I want you to understand something very important we are realizing is Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Jesus saying, take and eat. Full expression simply means, I want to touch it. I want to see what he says. Look, this is my body. This is the cup, the cup of blessing. This is the bread, the bread which we break. So see, look at it. Now I want you to understand so many ways the Bible talks about where God speaks to the prophets of the old and God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? And what Jeremiah sees in chapter 1 and verse 11 is really an almond pole. And then in verse 13, what he sees is a pan. Uh, all of this, uh, God now begins to open and give it full expression of what he saw in the natural and then transcends into the spiritual realm where he explains this. Again, we had done this, uh, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse uh, uh, 2, basically verse 5 actually, one of these verses says, what do you see? And he says, I see the golden candlestick. And then God explains what this would mean. And chapter 5 and verse 2 of Zechariah, God is saying, what do you see? And he says, uh, what he sees, a rolling pin, a flying roll. And all of this, God begins to explain what he had seen in the natural to that spiritual level. So what do you see? You and I are here in the house of God, and we are physically here, like I said. But in the soul, too, we are here fully understanding and intellectually uh, taking all of what is being expressed and thinking and thanking God for his goodness. But at the same time, we're also emotionally moved deep within, and we are willfully wanting to do what God wants us to do. That is in the soul level. But as we move in the spiritual, what we need to realize is uh, what God is saying 
look at this and when you look at what God is express what God is opening it in the same way Isaiah like we are here Isaiah has been in the temple many many times and many many occasions but that particular day in chapter 6 and verse 1 while he was in the temple behold what happens is uh, he sees something that not in the natural because a lot of people are in the temple on the sabbath day but what happened in the most tragic moment of his life he saw the lord sitting upon a throne that is not down it is heaven so right there he is in heavenly places i talked about the last time of three or what would be trilocation we are trilocation people we are here on the earth and so we are planted right here we can change our address uh, we can be anywhere in the united states but right now you and i are seated here at the highland church jamaica new york that is basically our location that is the earthly location at this moment as of this moment but in the soul what we are doing is we could be wandering we could be moving but we're also in what would be a location of the mind trying to focus but i want you to understand transcending all of that is what isaiah saw and right there is heaven so in other words heaven came down and glory filled my soul right at the bat what isaiah sees in the temple while all of the things that are being conveyed to him in the natural all of the sacrifices the burnt offering and the speaking of the priest but right on the bat he sees something what what should have been his eyes are open and all of this expression combined is what is ultimate to be able to see the lord god almighty on his throne and his train fills the temple and verse 2 he hears the angels he hears the angels say holy 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 is the lord god almighty what i want us to realize is this three level or what would be trilocation is what we want to understand there is the physical which is important we need the five senses and that helps us with our direction that helps us to see and to hear and to and to touch and all of this but in the soul as well and then in the spiritual what he wants you to realize is at this very moment isaiah sees something very profound and we would have said oh that is amazing but that is only for the prophet when you go to matthew chapter 13 and verse 16 blessed are you the lord jesus christ saying for your eyes have seen and your ears have heard what many prophets in the next verse verse 17 goes on to say would not had not had the opportunity in other words even though you have not had the opportunity to physically experience all of this the lord says you are blessed of course the lord jesus christ spoke to a doubtful thomas and he said go go ahead and touch my side and here is thomas getting the opportunity to touch the risen resurrected savior and he said my lord and my god but the lord jesus said blessed are those who have faith in me even though they have not touched me and these are more blessed and i want you to understand your eyes are seeing how in the natural no in the spiritual and your ears are hearing in the natural no much more in the spiritual things that the prophets would have wanted so much and that is wonderful you know there's so much that we need to understand as we break this bread we're going into the past going all the way to when the first emancipation took place in the exodus but then moving forward to all of the expression of the feast of passover 
and they are not looking backward. While that is what it uh, it is a groundwork, a framework, but it is moving and projecting to something ahead of time when the ultimate fulfillment, when the Lord Jesus Christ will come and he becomes the Passover. So 1 Corinthians chapter 130 says, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And what you go uh, to see this is we are going even further and we are here today looking back, but while we are looking back, we're looking today to understand and experience communion, recognizing the risen Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the focus, the center, even though we don't see him in the natural, everything that we do, we are hoping that you would concentrate and focus and understand in that spiritual sense, the Lord Jesus Christ is the center. We didn't just sing just to entertain. Our worship is directed to God in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everything we're doing in this teaching that uh, I'm hoping would express what would the fullest expression, not only for your intellect and emotion, but beyond that, to be able to see the Lord, beyond that, to be able to hear the Lord, beyond that, to be able to touch Him and to smell Him and to be able to taste of Him. So what you look into this is we're looking not only from the uh, back but also right now and moving way ahead and this becomes an expression of our hope not only that Jesus died not only that Jesus rose not only that Jesus uh, uh, is risen but he is coming but in the meantime he's coming to take us and there's something that we need to understand as often as we eat this bread and drink uh, uh, eat of this bread and drink of this cup we're showing forth or proclaiming the Lord's return there would come a time literally that we would be seated in that table billions of people from across the globe from across the literally uh, the the whole universe uh, and that is way beyond planet as well and the four beasts and all of that expressions of, I believe, interplanetary uh, beings that there are, God has created, and down to this earth, and all the redeemed on this earth, joining together. And there is a table especially prepared for the people of God in the Old and the New Testament, and that is the table that is spread and is bannered over us as love. But I want you to understand, we would be able to fellowship with the Lord our God, that our eyes of faith would be able to see Him, our ears of faith would be able to hear Him, we'll be able to touch and we could be able to taste of the goodness of God in that awesome time. Listen to what First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, I had not seen nor ear heard all that God has prepared for his people. Let me read it. It says, but as it is written, I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Nothing could really express, uh, no way our eyes could fully see until we go to heaven. But this is talking about the spiritual eyes and the spiritual ears. This is so important. I want to realize, my friend, when you turn to Matthew chapter 7 and 17 and verse 8, let us be able to just look at one and focus upon one. So even though I'm just a messenger, just put me aside and keep your eyes on the Lord. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man but Jesus. Of course, there were masses of people, but for these Christians, their focus was upon the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's do that today. So I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes open while you're looking at what is the natural, while you have seen the choir, but what you are seeing in the spiritual is the Lord being lifted up. 
and you in your soul have been lifted up, your emotions have been moved and your intellect has been able to process, but beyond that, it's your heart, your spirit being is being able to see and hear and touch and feel and uh, taste and smell. All of this is very important. Number two, I want to go to what would be the spiritual hearing, and this is important. When I talk about spiritual hearing, yes, you're hearing me, and that is just a man speaking as a servant of God to you, and what you're hearing is just natural words with your natural process of, of hearing. But I want you to understand something very important. When you are listening, you're going to find something very important. God is speaking to your own soul, into your own spirit. Hear with the ears of the Spirit. You know, when you go into the Scriptures, you find this marvelous realm in which God speaks, and it is awesome, it is wonderful. And uh, you hear God speaking to His people, and what they get it is in the spiritual, in the realm. Of course, I understand that God speaks audibly as well, but in so many ways, in when we uh, focus on the Lord, even in this communion, God speaks to us and we need to grasp, we need to listen, and we need to hear what he says. So Matthew chapter 4 and verse 9, God is saying, uh, he that has ears, let him hear. So we're going to have the spiritual ears to be able to listen to what God says about this time in the table and what he's speaking to us. Again, when you look at what goes on, it's uh, the Lord is saying in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, he, um, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. What is he speaking to the church here today? What is he speaking to churches all across the world? The Holy Spirit is speaking, particularly affirming this moment of experience, even though we were not there when Jesus Christ was crucified, but even Paul was in there, but Paul writes this letter about communion, and he says, I'm giving it to you what the Lord has given to me, and he writes this and this epistle in chapter 15 of the, uh, chapter 11 of the Corinthians, chapter 1, 24. But I want you to realize this, Peter, Paul, John, Bartholomew, and Philip, and Thomas, and all of them were there, Saul wasn't there. Uh, uh, and of course, Paul later on, he actually got it in the spirit and he's expressing exactly like he was there. Even though we are not there physically, but I want you to understand it was there at the cross we found the Lord or he found us. It was at the cross where we saw our sins roll away and the sins were washed by the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. So he that has ears, let him hear. When you turn to Luke chapter 22 and verse 1, there is something, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter uh, 22 and verse 15, what you hear is the Lord saying with great desire, with such longing, I have longed to have this moment with you before I suffer. It is very difficult time for the disciples. They're coming to grip with this fact, this is why Jesus came. They loved his teaching, they loved his parable, they loved the healing, and those that were healed were blessed. But ultimately, the very intent to which he came, even as he spoke before, Her uh, before Pilate, was to this intent I came, and for this the Father sent me, that I would lay down my life. It was willfully, it was of his own volition, he was not compelled, nobody had to force him into it. He came to give his life, to save and to ransom. And this is the reason why he came. Again, you are going to find the words that he speaks are so profound, so real. 
even though two of the disciples didn't recognize him physically, later on they felt the word burn into their hearts. That is, they got it in the spiritual and then they got a revelation in the breaking of the bread. And I hope that we would have this great revelation that those two disciples from the, on their way to Emmaus saw. If you turn to chapter, Luke chapter 24 and verse 32, listen to the words that say, they said, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, while he opened to us the scripture? All we need to hear from the Lord. We need the presence of the Lord. We need to hear what thus saith the Lord. I want to go into number three, and that is the touch of God. So we are going to physically touch this cup that contains the bread, that also contains the grape juice. While we are touching this, I want you to know our emotions are being touched. We are as it, as it is going back to Calvary, and we're getting a glimpse of what it would be in the, in the solical realm, or in the intellect realm, or in the emotional realm, or in our willful to recognize this is where I found the Lord. It is as if we were there, and then we're moving on with the message to be able to get an imagery of everything that Jesus spoke about, because many a times he gives the perfect imagery that he was a master teacher, and he was able to give us a glimpse of heaven, the father's love, the prodigal son returned, and the embrace of the father. We get a picture of all of that. We get the image of what Jesus Christ was speaking. But the ultimate that he gives to us is this, when he tells us this is what we should do, and this is one of the big important practices too. Baptism is once, but Breaking of bread and communion is every time we gather together. Why? It is so important. So we would always be grateful to the Father. We'll always remember what Jesus Christ did. And we will always be touched in our spirit. Just as it is in our soul. As we touch literally, physically, the, the cup and the bread. What I want us to realize is how important this is when you think in terms of the touch. Um, when you turn to Acts chapter 9 and verse 39, uh, here was a precious woman who was uh, the, in the member of the church in Lydia, actually died. And in order to tell a little more about uh, Dorcas, the disciples there handed the things that she had made, uh, knitted, uh, uh, basically things that she had made and uh, sewing the coats and garments which Dorcas made. So he was able to touch it. Maybe Peter didn't know her personally. He knew the leaders, but by touching, he could sense a bit of what would be, what type of woman she was. Gives you a picture and admits the compassion of, for a wonderful woman who did all this to help the people, giving away things, a shawl and other things. I want you to realize touching is very intimate. Uh, this is very difficult when it comes to remote, when it comes to uh, what would be uh, virtual. This cannot be done. You need to touch, you need to feel. And this is one of the things the pandemic has done is severed people that they are no more able to do that. But of course, uh, still God does it in a marvelous and wonderful way, I'll explain. But let me just say this, when you think in terms of Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26, he says take or touch, and then he says eat, taste it, First, he says touch it. And so we take this, and this is of our own fullest uh, expression, 
and of our own volition we take it. No one is compelling us, and we're holding to it, and we realize how important this event is. It's not physical so much as what happens more than emotion, the soul, into the very spiritual. This is a picture of everything that the Lord has done, the Lord is doing, and ultimate in heaven, what it would imply for us in the in heaven word. It is so powerful. But I want you to realize there is something that is so significant about this, almost like the disciples uh, when they handled the Lord Jesus or the word of life. You know, there is this uh, beloved John, the uh, uh, apostle, when he's expressing about the Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking about which is eyes have seen, which his ears have heard, and which his hands have handled of the word of life. If you turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, John is saying that which from, was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. What does that imply? In verse 3, he says, we have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this fellowship is called communion, the same that we are doing communion. So you're telling me that, uh, is this commu communion meaning to have fellowship? Exactly. Yes, in, uh, in one way, it is fellowshipping with everyone together here and virtually everywhere else. But in a more significant manner, it is not so much horizontal, which is important, but is even much more vertical. To say in a spiritual level, yes, we are fellowshipping, or we are communion, or we are having a wonderful communication with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So it is, like I said, tri-location in the physical, in the soul, and in the spirit. The ultimate is, in this communion, yes, we are breaking bread together. We will be doing this together. But in the ultimate, we are one together in our mind, and one accord in that mind, no matter how different we are, how different colored and how different cultural we are, we're one in our mind, in one accord. But much more than that, we are one, so to speak, in accord with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate. We are able to fall into, not only, we're not gods, but we come to the embrace of our Father, recognizing it is on the ground of the blood and on the ground of the blood of Jesus Christ alone, we have access to the Father. He's Almighty God, He's all things that He is, but because of what Jesus Christ did, and remember, it is always a point, do not forget, or lest you forget, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because it is only because of the blood, and on the ground of the blood, we're able to look at the one almighty God and say, Papa, Abba, Father, only because of the Lord Jesus. Give the Lord a clap offering. The Lord did touch Yes, there are so many times in the natural, when you turn to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, here is a man filled with leprosy, he said, Lord, if you would touch me and heal me, and in verse 3, the Lord says, I will, and he touched him. Think about it, a man who's filled with leprosy, forget about a priest, forget about even an ordinary man, they would not touch you, would be unclean. And look at the state of this man who had leprosy, but I want you to just recognize no one is outside the scope 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no color bar, there's no caste bar, there's no class bar. It is simply he reaches out to everyone. No one is outside the pale of Christ's salvation. No one is outside God's scope of great love and great mercy. And if you're listening, I want you to listen. God loves you and God wants to reach out to you. And this communion reminds us of the bridge that was, the gap that was bridged because of Jesus Christ. Now we're able to have fellowship, communication with the Father and the Son. What I want you to realize is in verse 8, uh, you're going to find a centurion comes in and he says, just say the word, my servant would be healed. Look at this, my friend. What incredible way the Lord Jesus Christ speaks the word. And in verse 13, in that same time, even though the Lord didn't touch that person, that servant was healed. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, he sent for the word and he healed the sick. So wherever you are, you may not be able to touch here and you feel, oh, if only someone touches you. I want to say in the authority of God's word, in the authority of what the Lord Jesus Christ said, if we agree together, it shall be done. And I speak the word and send forth the word of salvation, healing, deliverance, and completely that your mind would be sound in Jesus' name even right now because of the power of the Lord's word. There is something I want you to understand. There's a wonderful communication this cup and this bread reminds us and this becomes the pivotal point of fellowshipping with one another but even much more in a grandiose scale this is the reason that we would have fellowship with God you mean to say that we could fellowship with the almighty God and not be burned ordinarily yes we could be burned but because of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of atonement we actually have the privilege of going and having a wonderful fellowship there's something else we need to know in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 this is a high priest that recognizes our needs our situation because he touched by the feeling unlike the high priest of old he was untouched he was stoic Jesus is not stoic. He's compassionate. He feels the pain. Have you been going through a time of persecution? He went through that. Have you been spat upon? He has gone through that. Have you been uh, totally discarded and, uh, and gone through so much pain and hurt? There is nothing that you have gone through that the Lord has not gone through and more, and he understands you. He's not someone up there who knows nothing. He knows exactly because he walked the shores of Galilee as he would walk the roads of Jamaica, Queens, or as he would walk where you are in any parts of the world. He's touched by the feeling, and he knows exactly, and I want you to understand this, my friend. He wants you to fellowship with his father and to know him, and to love him, and fellowship with him. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I want to just say this before we go into the communion. There is something called seeing. And this is very important. How important it is? It is so powerful. Seeing is very important. And the eyes and the sight of seeing are very important. You know, when you go through the Bible, you're going to find so much lies on what you see. Uh, when you look into, um, uh, I'm sorry, not seeing, smelling, this is the fifth one, smelling, and there's so much in the Bible about Old Testament about smelling, and this is very powerful because there is the sweet-smelling Sabbath that is pleasing to the Lord. We don't have to burn incense 
and have those holy senses today. There's a reason. And you don't need to bring the Old Testament things into the New Testament. But of course, this is fulfilled and being fulfilled because the one who is the sweet-smelling Sabbath unto the Father, unto God. But first, let me say this. When you turn to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21, here is Noah. He basically uh, uh, had a burnt offering, and the Bible says, and the Lord smelled the sweet Sabbath. That is a sweet-smelling offering. There are many offerings in the Bible. There is the burnt offering. There's a salt offering. There is a meat offering. There's offerings that have a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord. This is very important. So much so, from Noah's time, which is what this passage is, all the way to Abraham, through the prophets, every time the, uh, in the temple, the priests were offering sweet-smelling savour, or sweet-smelling uh, what would be fragrance unto the Lord. In other words, he smelled it, and this is very important. So censer and incense and all of this were part of the Old Testament, not of the New Testament. What was in the natural translates into literally fulfillment, and it is spiritual. But first, let me explain this. Temples were filled with, uh, with uh, aroma, with the fragrance of sweet-smelling savour that is offered unto God. Today, it is prayer and it is worship. I'll come to that in just a moment. But those were literal in the Old Testament. So if you were to turn to Exodus chapter 29 and verse 25, look at what the priest did. And thou shalt receive them of their hands and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering for a sweet smelling or sweet sabbath before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You read that again and again in the book of Exodus, in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Deuteronomy. Why is this important? Because it is very important that that aroma, that smell, it simply says what has been a rot. In fact, the Genesis chapter 6 says the sin and the abyss of horrible depravity of man was uh, was the uh, order, a awful order unto the Lord. And he said, that is it. I can't take it anymore. It simply means the pungent smell of sin was so horrible that God decided there would be flood. I want you to realize there is a sense in which a foul smell in the spiritual level, just as much as a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord are very important. What I want you to understand is... Um, there's always the uh, smell There is uh, every time when we gather together. Uh, the basically smell always like touching and like seeing and like hearing has powerful remembrances. Uh, just to be able to have in, uh, in right now in February, um, the black cake reminds me it's Christmas in February. Because there are certain things that's reserved for certain times. So if you were to have a birthday cake any time of the year, it has to be somebody's birthday, isn't it? So the same way, things smell reminds us of, the, of back home and the cuisine back home and the speciality back home. And this is very important. Now, let me just take you to Luke chapter 12. And when you read in this particular passage, um, I forget where it is, but it's talking about uh, the Martha bringing out a big f uh, food. And it says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, to come and help me. I mean, she was, she was cooking up a storm. She needed all the help she could. 
One of the things you're going to find in the house of Bethany, where Lazarus and Martha and Mary lived, there was always this order, wonderful order of food, and it was beautiful, and you must understand, uh, many intimate moments have been spent around the table with the disciples, and Jesus Christ opened his heart, and you know your uh, the place closest to your heart is at the table where you eat and intimacy and you're able to talk. Not everyone, but those that you can share your heart out, it is during the meal. And this is very important when you go to heaven, you're going to find a table that is spread. And this simply means a wonderful communion with the Lord. But coming to this, here is Martha literally Kick, uh, cooking up a storm and you could smell the food from miles away. So Jesus had fellowship in the house in Bethany and every now and then you would find him coming in and staying there and it became like a second home to him. Now I want you to realize Martha had cooked up a storm. She wanted Mary's help. And yes, Jesus partook and he was a participant literally, physically of this eating and there was a smell that he could smell of this. But let me take you from that level to a spiritual level. When you come to uh, John chapter, uh, chapter 12 and verse 3, this is Martha at the home of Lazarus. If you turn to verse 2, they, okay, let's go to verse 2 first, uh, before that. They made him supper and Martha served, but Lazarus, one of them, that sat at the table with the Lord Jesus. So where is Mary? Verse 3 tells us where Mary was. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of the Lord Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and listened to what it says. And the house was filled with the odor or the fragrance of the ointment. The house was filled with the fragrance of that ointment. You know, one of the things that we need to realize is the awesomeness of that smell, that sweet anointing smell. There was one man who objected and said, why waste that costly spinkinet? But Jesus said, she understood the spiritual implications of my death and burial and resurrection more than anyone here. How is it that the disciples seated there, including Judas, who was more thinking about money, that he could not get his thinking cap or even go further into the spiritual level to understand what this is all about. Here is Mary, no disregard to Martha, but Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus. Mary sensed in the spiritual what is the utmost important to the heart of God. And here is Mary anointing the feet of Jesus with that costly ointment. This is powerful. What I want you to realize is there's so much of power and there's so much of writing about the ointment that there comes in the book of Exodus the, um, the mixtures that are used and yet not fully expressed because it cannot be copied. It cannot be used anywhere else except in the temple. That is peculiarly and particularly for God as a sweet-smelling savour in the temple, as a censer is basically used. I want you to know how powerful this is, because in a time when the battle was going against Israel, when the Philistines invaded, they were on the verge of attacking, 
totally unprepared, the people of Israel cried out to Samuel, and, and Samuel took a lamb, and there was a bond offering, and he offered unto the Lord. And God stayed, and literally uh, the children of Israel won over a sacrifice, over an incense. That today speaks about praise. But again, if you want to go back into what happened in the time of Moses, something uh, terrible took place. The, the sin, the gossip, the backbiting, all of this is sin of the spirit and the sin of the soul literally uh, ate away what would be the hedge of protection for the children of Israel. Now, in the midst of all of this, people were being, um, you do understand the serpents biting, but this is more dangerous. They were dying of pestilence, left, right, and forward. In the midst of pestilence and people dying, this is what Moses said to the Levites, take your holy censer and stand before the Lord with the incense a sweet-smelling sacrifice, and right where the Levites with their senses stood, the pestilence stayed. Again, this is the power of praise and worship, a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord. You know what is so important is the fragrance is very powerful. So much so, the Songs of Solomon, in a very positive way, talks about uh, myrrh. And when you turn to uh, Songs of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 5, talking about the man, the beloved, and his hands dripped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the Lord, literally that opens the door to every one of us. But what is it that opens the door? When you turn to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, you find the wise men giving three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold enabled the family to flee to Egypt. The frankincense was important, but this is the myrrh that is the ult ultimate talking about death of Jesus Christ that would be needed much later. Myrrh, while it is pleasant, speaks with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ about his death. You know, it's important we understand this because when you turn to Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 2. Don't forget, this is a very important passage. The writer, Paul, is saying, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. What did he say? Jesus is the ultimate sweet-smelling savour. Someone will come from the Old Testament and say, Pastor, we need to have some incense, a sense. I said, keep it away. You are telling me that what Jesus Christ did on the cross is incomplete? I don't need that sensor. It is fulfilled. It is complete. Throw it away. Many people like the Old Testament, but I want you to know what is fulfilled. Why would you want it? Say if your loved one, was somewhere outside, deployed outside, and you have a photograph, and uh, you are love stuck with him, and say, oh, you know, darling, I really love you. And what if Joe just comes in, and you're still looking at the photograph and say, oh, Joe, I still love you, and Joe says, me, I'm standing here. Oh, Joe, really, you look the same yesterday like you look today. You... The man says, are you crazy? I'm here, throw the picture away. 
And so I want you to understand what is the holy censer, what is the sweet-smelling savour that stands between me and death, that stands between me and all the condemnation. It is Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. Walk in love. Go ahead, give the Lord a clap offering. Yeah. And he had given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour of fragrance. He is the sweet-smelling. When the Father gets that smell, the Father is pleased. What Jesus Christ did on the cross is ultimate, is permanent, and is pleasing to God the Father. This is very important, particularly when we realize in the books of the Bible, talking about these perfumes, talking about the incense, when he realized the ultimate is all about Jesus. But did you know that because we have the Savior who is a sweet-smelling savour, he transmits that, you know, let me just say this, he is the Christos, he is the lighted one. But when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are Christians, or the light from the light, we become the light. The little light, but that comes from the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this, is the fragrance, but because we have been with his presence, we get that fragrance from him. And that's what Paul writes about. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, and verse 15, 16, and 17, but let's read two verses. It says here, now thanks be to God, which has always caused us triumph in Christ and has manifested the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. Going to the next verse in verse 15 goes, goes on to say, For we are unto God a sweet smelling or savour of Christ in them that are saved and them that perish. And the next verse says, Life to those that saved and death into death to those who perish, but we are a sweet-smelling savour. You know, there is something that I want you to understand. Everything we do becomes like an order or a fragrance. When we do sin, it's an order. But when we do what is right and expected of us, it becomes a fragrance. There's something about this man, Cornelius. Uh, he's an Italian... Um, Centurion, but in chapter 10 of the book of Acts and verse 4, look what happens. An angel of the Lord comes to him when he's in his devotion. And what he says, he says, your prayers, towards the end says, and your arms, two things, your prayer and your arms, have come up for a memorial. It is like a sweet-smelling savour to the Lord. Let me just say this. You say your prayer did not mean much. It's not going over the ceiling, my friend. Unless you have prayed this to impress people around you, unless you have prayed this to impress people with your oratory skill, but if it's from the heart to the Father, it is going up to the Father, it is a sweet-smelling savour. It was not trying to entertain, trying to impress, it was simply to God. It is like a sweet-smelling savour to God. And when you give to the Lord, I want you to understand, it is a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord. Nothing goes unnoticed. Even a cup of cold water given in the name of the Lord is noticed and is rewarded in heaven. But what is so powerful and fundamental, I want you to understand, is prayers become so vibrant in heaven. If you get to see 
a little bit and scratch a little bit into heaven and find out whatever is given to us so we could have a revelation. Well, John did. The Lord opened up something unique and wonderful to John. So when he saw worship taking place, uh, there were the prayers. Uh, people, angels, these beings had harps in their hand. But what else did they have? Let's go to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. Listen, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four, twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. That is the four beasts and twenty-four elders, having every one of them hops to worship the Lord, and golden veils full of fragrance, which are the prayers of the saints. Is your prayer included in that? Your grumbling, your murmuring becomes a foul smell before God. Your praises, your giving, and your prayers become a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? So this is important when you look at it. So there is something about this, a smell, the smell of the cross. There's something about this, the smell of death. But there's something about this, the smell of glorious resurrection morning, better than the dew of the morning. A smell about this is like the rose of Sharon, the one that is going to come back again and take us. It is going to be the most sweet-smelling savour when we stand before the Almighty and when we join with the throngs and throngs and throngs of the billions of angels and all being, we're going to sing praises. It is going to be a sweet-smelling savour that you and I have never experienced until we go to heaven. I had not seen, years have not heard, all that God has prepared for his people. Let me go to the fifth and the final one, and that is to do with the taste. In just a moment, you'll be touching this. You'll be smelling it. But much more, you're going to taste it. Some people live by what they eat. Some people are mood. But whatever you want to say, Isaac is a great guy. He's seen great revival. But one fault about Isaac is my mind. He just moved by what he ate and what he liked. Everything we bought is food. Do you know many people are slaves of food? Isaac was. When you turn to Genesis chapter 25 and verse 28, look at the way he differentiated Isaac loved Esau. Why? Because he did eat of Isaac's, of Jacob's venison. That was what he craved for, and so he's going to bless with regard to who would get me the good food. He already made a decision. God made a decision long before they were born. God said it would be Jacob. But Esau cooked really good venison, and so you find Rebekah loved Jacob. There's a split in the family, but God is in the side of Rebekah. I want you to realize something very important. When you look at this uh, passage, you're going to find far greater than what you find in the natural eating is the spiritual eating. Uh, look at what it says in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 8. Oh, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted of the Lord? Have you tasted that he is good? 
If you have experienced his goodness, you're going to shout up and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have you tasted of his mercy and grace? You know, you are a testimony. There are many who have not made it. We've never seen something like this in 2019, 2020, 2021. Pandemic came. And not because they were worse or they were better. They were stronger. They were better. They were more noble than us. They had all that it took. We were weaker. We were more insignificant. We were base. And yet we were spared. And we're alive today because of the goodness of God. We have tasted of the goodness of God. Never, never forget what he has done. You and I are sitting here and you are there only because you have tasted the goodness of God. You've got to give him thanks. And listen to what it goes on to say in chapter 34 and verse 8 of the psalm. That's the reason you can trust him because you have tasted of the goodness of God. But even much more, you have tasted of the word of God. Many a times you find the prophets being told to eat of the word. You know, in Psalm 119 and 103, it is very uh, uh, usual in Psalm 119 talking about the word. But listen to what it says here. How sweet are your words unto my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And this is very powerful. Songs of Solomon is very powerful. Chapter 2 and verse 3 tells you how delicious, sweet to my taste, the fruit towards the end is sweet to my taste. And that is exactly what Peter chapter 2 and verse 3 says, that if you have tasted of the Lord, that he is gracious, and we find him so gracious and so kind, and we are so grateful for his goodness. At this moment, as we partake of this, I want us to stand to recognize God's goodness. You're going to taste of the goodness of God, and you're going to taste that God is good and he's merciful. There is a passage I want you to note very importantly, and this is this passage. In Psalm 81 and verse 10, towards the end, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Israel just refused to open their mouth wide to enjoy the goodness of God. But I want you to open your mouth and drink all of it. Why do I say this? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16, the cup that we bless, is it not the communion and the bread of the Lord? This is what we bless. May all of the blessing of God come into us even as we partake of this. Take this moment to open the transparent and take the bread and give thanks to God and fill your mouth with all that God has for you. Open your mouth wide and eat everything that God wants you. In the spirit, in the soul, emotion, will, and even in the spiritual, and much more, I want you to understand the goodness of God. We would taste of it and recognize everything that Jesus, our Lord, did on Calvary's cross, what he's doing today to us and what he will do in the final, when the end of the word. I want you to understand the cup of blessing is what we bless. Thank you, Father, for this bread. As we break this, we're remembering of what you did. 
we want to do this in remembrance of you. Can you take this and eat this and thank God? Blessing, blessing, blessing. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.